This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voices, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Nelson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist, and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. What's up, Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to my last two guests, uh, Grayley and Derek, were incredible guests. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Women's History Month. Um, you know, I know it's basically the end of March and kind of late on this podcast, but uh, obviously, as you guys know, I had the two guests prior to this podcast, so it kind of worked out the way that it did. Um, so, you know, I just kind of wanted to name drop uh, a couple women that had an impact on the mental health community. Um, first of all, we had uh, Mary uh, Culkins. She was the first woman to be the president of the American Psycho Psychological Association. Um, then we had Jane Adams, who uh, she won the Nobel Peace Prize for her work on settlement houses and for founding social work as a profession. And so many more women out there that just, you know, have had a really big impact on this community as a whole. And, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I, I can think of, you know, my therapist. Um, she does wonderful work with not only myself, but any of her other clients. So, you know, always grateful to bring her up. And today's guest, um, she is not only a fitness model, she is also a model, and she's one of my good friends. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. Yeah, Chris, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I'm really glad we uh, got this schedule figured out and we were able to uh, to record here and just uh, you know just have a nice conversation. I feel like any time that you and I in the past have um, Put aside any conversation that we always have a good uh, banter back and forth. So I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you um, today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so okay, the first question I had was, uh, what made you want to get into uh, to modeling? So it's actually really funny because it was never really something I actively pursued. Um, my photographer slash, I guess you want to call him my manager, he, um, Cato the one, he kept reaching out to me. It took him four years to finally get me to be like, okay, fine. Um, and in between there, you know, we all go through our own traumas and our own things. So there was also a lot going on after we had met. So he's just stuck through the entire time. And I was like, you know what, let me just go ahead and give it a go and see what happens. And I enjoy it. It's fun. It's not something I would say I'd make a full career out of, but it's definitely taken me places that I would have never thought. Um, just if you just keep going and if you believe in yourself, it, it definitely opens doors for you. And as long as it's good for you and it's fun to you, I'd say just go for it and do it. You never know. Yeah, I remember when we first started following each other and, you know, just where you were at the start of your journey to where you are now. I mean, progress and just seeing how, uh, just seeing how you are mentally, it's inspiring to see you do so much good and make so many positive changes in what I feel like is a short amount of time. But 
it's great that you have somebody like your manager who is as persistent as as they were and wanted to work with you and work with your strengths and you know i'm sure this this comes with you know uh, a mental toll on you uh you know whatever challenges that you have had to uh, face what are some of the challenges that you've had to face uh in this line of interest so i mean as you can see it's just i've kind of been on a little hiatus i on instagram lately but i've I'm still sharing what my photographer is putting out because we have a fashion show coming up in July. So we're just promoting that. But um, there's a lot of things. It's, you know, it's very hard as an adult. It's very hard to make friends. And I just feel like especially in the field where you're working with a lot of women, um, it can be very hard sometimes to connect in a genuine way and, have, you know, have those genuine friendships. Um, but it's also, you know, it's very high demand, it, you know, just because someone else thinks you're good at it and you would do well in their field of vision that they may have for you, it doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. So, you know, I get a lot of people wanting to work with me, but they don't want to pay. Um, and that kind of, that's, that's a challenge too, because it's like, I don't always want to do this stuff just for free, let's say, like sure. it's, it, there's got to be something a part of it. Like, yes, it's fun to do it. Of course, it's you meet a lot of cool people. You go a lot of t different cool places, but um, a lot of people also see how great you are and they want that for themselves and they want to take the credit. So you just have to protect yourself. You just have to be smart about it because there are a lot of people out there who claim to be professional. And as a woman um, that, and as someone who is fit, it's just extremely hard to work with professional people. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can relate to the working in a certain field and just not being able to connect with, uh, with your own gender. Like, like for me, example, uh, you know, contributing to the mental health community the way that I have, um, you know, I, I've had this conversation with my therapist many times and she's like, you know, there's not enough men in this field and it's because of, you know, that stigma of men aren't supposed to talk about this, men aren't supposed to share their feelings and stuff. And when you finally do meet those guys, like some of them are on your, your level mentally. And then you run into those ones who are like, oh, well, I'm just doing this for a paycheck kind of thing. Like when I first started getting into therapy, um, I didn't want to work with a, a male therapist because I don't know, I always feel like there's that silent judgment from from guys when it comes to mental health stuff because I have I have a circle of friends who you know they're all about you know sharing what's going on because obviously the alarming rate of male suicide you know and it's just it's tough to work in specific communities with uh with like-minded people that have the same goals as you do that want to talk about the same subjects that you do you know mm -hmm. absolutely it's, and uh, it's like you said, it's hard for men, especially. Yeah, and, and I couldn't imagine in your line of work, uh, just like you said, all the different people you meet, you don't know who's genuine and who's looking, uh, I guess, to cut your feet from under you. Have you ever met somebody that, um, I guess, tried to sabotage what you're doing? Um. No, I wouldn't say sabotage what I'm doing. Um, you, you just get those big talkers, you know, that come at you and say, hey, I'll give you this, pay you this to get 
your time for you to come out here and we'll collab, do a shoot, um, get some footage, do the, you know, um, they have a good pitch and I've learned, you know, it's a learning curve. I'm not, you know, a professional say, so, I mean, I'm new. I still consider myself new cause I'm always still, I'm, I'm always learning. So, um, I basically had to track this particular person down to pay me for what we agreed on. You know, I went out there, we did the shoot. Um, I invested money in gas. So it's just, people will waste your time and, you know, for their own benefit, um, it gets really sticky. So it's just, you have to learn like who you can trust. And that's across the board, not just in this field, but as a woman in this field, there's a lot of male photographers. You just have to, you just have to use your own discernment like very well. I mean, it's worked for me. I've luckily, that's been the only bad experience in the last three years. Um, otherwise, I've met a lot of great people and it's been fun for me. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's good that, uh, that you haven't had that uh, many negative experiences. I'm assuming your manager is there with you like every shoot or how does that work? They just book it and you go kind of thing? Um, he doesn't necessarily have to be there. No. Um, there's certain things that, um, like I've done a fundraiser with another friend of mine out on her farm because she, you know, she has a lot of land out there. So we do a lot of fundraiser, uh, slash modeling shoots out there and like, he'll come out there, you know, cause it's for everybody. But, um, usually if someone wants to book me, they'll just reach out to him and I'll just, yeah, basically I'll just go. Um, but what's funny is we're you know, I'm still trying to get to that point. Um, like I said, people want your time for free and that's not always something you can do. So. Right. <clears throat> so um, my next question for you, um, this actually kind of digs more into the personal side of, of yourself. So being a mom, what is the most important lesson that you try to teach your daughter in this stage of her life? Well, okay, so she turned 12 this year, and she's actually, like, very, very intelligent. I feel like she understands a lot. Um, I'm constantly um, trying to teach her how to deal with things, um, especially under pressure, but just in general, like, how to deal uh, with things. Um, you know, she's, I don't really sugarcoat anything with her, and I really don't hide anything. So she sees me on the days I struggle. Um, she sees me on my good days. Um, and regardless if it's a good day or a bad day, she still sees how I handle the day in itself. And I think that's important for her too. you know, Oh, something didn't go mom's way today, but she's handling it. Oh, well, this happened today, but mom's handling it. You know, just, I want that for her. Um, because I didn't get that growing up. My parents didn't really teach me, um, how to deal with people and how to manage emotions. I kind of had to learn that on my own, uh, my own. And that's a different story for another day. You know, my mother was bipolar. I, I had to grow up around a lot of things that a child shouldn't have. Um, so I just, I really just try to teach her how to deal with her emotions, um, how to treat her friends, how to navigate, you know, when someone's taking advantage of her. So um, just, I feel like those are the things we should be teaching our kids. Um, we didn't get that growing up, at least, at least me, <laughs> I didn't get that. So I just try to basically what I didn't get. And now that I have that wisdom, I just try to give that to her as well. 
you know, I, I always find it interesting, the parents that are around our age group that, you know, uh, either didn't have to experience what you or I had to experience with our parents and uh, yeah. how they raised their kids and the different lessons that everybody, um, that everybody teaches their kids. And I've met people who I guess have the quote unquote ideal, like perfect family, right? And they have, uh, they have kids of their own and you see them just basically I don't want to say not e equipping their kids uh, with you know today's crazy society you know uh, you know the day that I have kids I, I know there, there's so many different things that I know what not to do because I had a rough childhood with my parents you know my mom being a narcissist and my dad just being emotionally numb um, it's, it's so, it's refreshing to always hear somebody like yourself, uh, you know, just be open and honest with your kids about what they're going through and not hide their emotions. Like, you know, of course there's, I'm sure there's days where you try to be stronger than you, uh, I guess, need to be around her just so she doesn't see you crumble. But at the oh, same definitely. time, yeah. And, and at the same time, you want her to know that it's okay to feel this way sometimes and you just got to push through everything uh you know meanwhile when, while we were growing up we didn't have 90 percent of these resources that we have now you know therapy was frowned upon depression was a bad word you know um and just all the alarming like suicide rates or just overdoses whatever it is now I feel like it's starting to open a lot of parents' eyes of like, oh shit, maybe I should start uh, teaching my kid about the the do's and don'ts of life. And mm -hmm. I, I feel the most important part of being a parent, I mean, obviously I'm not a parent yet, but I feel the most important part of uh, being a parent is to let your kid know that they're not alone in what they're feeling, that it's normal to feel the emotions that they're feeling. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, because that's what we're supposed to do as their parents. You're supposed to teach them those things. You're supposed to role model those things. And when you're basically raised to figure that out for yourself, you know, um, because my mother did not know how to manage herself. Like, even when she was having a bad day, um, there's a difference to me between a bad day and a really bad day. Um, there are, like you just said, there are certain times where I do have to be stronger than I usually would be because your children don't, don't need to see you when you're more down than usual, like a, a little cry. Oh, I'm just having a day, you know, that's fine. But like, when you really need that moment, like it needs to be by yourself. Right. And she, my mom never did that. She was always out in the open doing crazy shit. She didn't care. So it's right. just, it's just one of those things. Like, I just want her to, it's not going to be perfect. And I know that, but I just want her to be as emotionally healthy as possible yeah. because, and I'm, I'm the only person doing it, but I'm willing. And I've been, and it's just been her and I this whole time. So I just, it'll work out. I know it will. So I just got to keep doing the work. Yeah. And, and you know, I feel emotional intelligence goes a long way with with so many people especially kids because you know I feel when I was struggling um 
as a teenager for as long as I did I mean shit I didn't start seeking therapy till I was like I want to say 26 27 is when I actually finally started going to therapy um Mm -hmm. just thinking of how how different my life could have been if I had a parent that gave a shit enough to you know like hey maybe therapy will help you with all these feelings that you're feeling and not have to use my emotions against me and that was one of the the hardest things I have ever had to deal with was um you know having a, a mom who would use whatever emotions I was feeling against me and I couldn't ever tell her anything and I had to internalize so much anger and so much uh depression and I, I hated myself because of it and yeah. seeing all that unravel now uh being almost 31 years old it's it's crazy how many different layers of yourself that you can peel back when you start therapy um yeah <laughs> yeah uh even just having your own experiences and going through um big life things that also opens that that kind of like oh that aha moment because sometimes right. it's that's what you need you need that moment to kind of, just so you can start digging into yourself and and learning okay why am I like this why am I attracted to this and how did it get me here and it it, it just it's it makes so much sense as you go and it's like I could talk so much about it <laughs> right and you know I I wish um I wish more people went to therapy because I feel um, I feel like communication in society as a whole would be so much better. Um, you know, obviously, in every podcast, I, I try to say that therapy is not for everybody because it absolutely isn't for everybody. But the benefits of, of therapy are just, you know, it, it's, it's right there. It very cut and clear of how beneficial therapy can be for yourself, you know, and Therapy doesn't always have to be with a therapist. You know, you can have that best friend that you can find in and they help you through stuff. And, you know, that works for some people. Um, I had a friend. um, I had a friend who me and him were friends, I think, for about 20 years before we stopped talking. Um, And he was solely against therapy and, you know, would always just kind of uh, I guess, talk shit about me because of me going to therapy. He's like, oh, what is a therapist going to say that I won't be able to tell you yourself? Or, like, you know, he would just always be, like, overly negative about it. And then he got in trouble with the law. And um, basically, because of his anger issues, he was forced to go into therapy. Um, and funny thing is, when he started going to therapy, he's uh, he's he's a lot better with communicating and talking about stuff and it's just like it's amazing to me the doubters in this community when they finally have the opportunity to heal and and be able to I guess show how much they're capable of when that therapist is able to peel back all that stubborn skin that person's wearing you know Mm -hmm. yeah and essentially pulling that mask off of their face. Yeah, and I think that's something back then, like our parents weren't weren't willing to show us. Um, and I, I don't even think their parents were able to teach them. So it's just like that whole thing you hear about breaking the generational cycle. It yeah. starts with us. And I feel like, you know, that's 
that's where you you take the lead and that's where I take the lead. We use it and we make the good out of it. Absolutely. So as a woman, what stigmas do you feel that you face uh, in this in the mental health community, if any? Um, I know, and the reason I ask this, I, I think I should have probably left off the if anything, because obviously we all still face that stigma one way or another. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think the reason I put if any on that question was my intention was just kind of a, I know there's so many women in this field and I feel there's a lot of topics that are covered and maybe there's just stuff that are underlying that nobody talks about still. So I'm curious to hear from, from yourself, what stigmas yourself faces uh, in this community? Just like in general or like in, in like, like the modeling field or um, a little bit, a little bit of both. Okay. Cause I mean, really, I haven't, I just feel like if, if you're, you're looked at as a model, um, it's like, oh, you know, you're not supposed to be um, sad or depressed. You know, you're a model or um we're always, or we're just either that, or we're just overly emotional. We're always viewed as like, even, even in a working field, you can, you are still looked at and classified as not emotionally stable because we carry so many emotions inside of us. And because it is such a sticky um, point and place to work at sometimes, like when you stick up for yourself and when, when you voice things that bother you or whatever the case may be as a woman, when you say and do those things for yourself, it's, it's very hard to always get people to hear you. If that makes sense. It's just, you, we aren't ever really taken seriously and we're not really heard in a, in a way where we should be. That's interesting. Um, I, I would have never thought that in that, in the, the modeling community, especially I, I, you know, with body positivity and all that stuff that, uh, has been, uh, I guess making waves in the last couple of years and, you know, people being less judgmental of each other. I mean, obviously you're going to have those thorns here and there, but it's, it's kind of disheartening to hear that, you know, you guys aren't taken seriously sometimes because you're a model. I would think that, you know, it would be, oh, well, she's confident enough to do that. And it's great that she's putting herself out there and trying to, uh, I guess, use your strengths to, uh, you know, live out your career, or live out whatever passions you have in that. And I just, yeah, that's, that's frustrating to hear. I that. wish it was lo- more people need to look at it like that, because that's exactly what I try to do and make it stand for. You know, if you want to try something, um, it, it's a, it's, definitely great like for my self-esteem and we're always looked at as oh we're doing this for other people we're doing this for the male eye like those are the biggest stigmas ever and Mm -hmm. it's like no you can do these things for yourself and you you know you can do these things to uplift yourself like this can totally be something that could be for you that's what a lot of people don't understand this is for us not you and do you, uh, do you deal with a lot of that in like the fitness model uh, part of, of that as well? Like, I, I don't know if they're like hand in hand with each other or if they're just like two different entities and what you do. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Yeah. Um, so is that like within the fitness community as well? Like you're just kind of looked at like, 
you're doing this for yourself and not for others kind of thing? Some people look at it that way and other people don't. I look at it that way. Like, this is for me. Right. Um, but uh, you always, always get those people that they look at it differently. They judge differently. But again, I think that stems more from something that they face. That stems from a them issue. And right. that's, that's where it, can, it goes even deeper into mental health because to each there's an action or why someone says something or does something that they do, it's, it's always within themselves as to why they do or say that. Right. So really, you just got to know that within yourself. Like, no, I'm, I do this for me. This makes me feel confident. This makes me feel good. I enjoy it. Um, you know, you meet a lot of women that are a girl's girl that are on board with you. And it's just a very uplifting thing to be a part of. Yeah. No, I, I um, it's, it's always, it's always great to see the different, different accomplishments that, uh, that I see you post up sometimes and just seeing all the, the growth and the mental and physical strength uh, accomplishments that you, uh, that you're able to, um, I guess, share with the world. So I think it's really cool to see that you stay consistent with it. Um, so yeah, before, um, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it just comes down to understanding. Like without that, there's really, you're just spinning your wheels. You're gonna be out here proving something that you shouldn't be, you know? It's just right. what it all it comes down to is just you have to, try and understand the other person why they may do it and understanding their story and i think that's how building connections with people work yeah and you know i it's interesting that you bring that up because i've always found it interesting how the people that are judgmental uh why they are the way that they are and when you try to come from that place of understanding and trying to figure out why are why is this person the way that they are and then when you finally start to, you know, figure out why they are, um, it's just kind of you wish they were a little more grown up about their said opinions or you wish they were a little better at communicating without insulting. Because I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times that I've had an opinion on something and, you know, whether it was unpopular uh, opinion or not, um, anything that I've contributed into the mental health community it's just like oh well you shouldn't be having opinions like that because uh you're on this platform you're not allowed to to show anything other than caring and compassion because you're in the mental health community and i've had this conversation with my therapist where it's just like you know am i not allowed to show like any other trait but what i'm what i'm trying to dig into with the mental health community like you know I'm not allowed to be upset. I'm not allowed to be angry about anything because of uh, the status that I'm, I'm trying to accomplish in the mental health community. It, it's it's so frustrating to uh, mm -hmm. be among so many people that just don't want to communicate with you. Yeah, and I think that's where people need to learn. You know, that's where boundaries come into play. Okay, well, this person doesn't want to do the work to stay in my life, so you just got to cut them. Right. Um, and that's, it could be sad because you could really care about this person. And, you know, like you keep saying, you know, I, I wish that they understood. And, and I think that's why we grieve so much because it's like, we love this person so much and we wish they were like how we were, or, you know, how, whatever we wish they were more of that they lack. It's just something that at the end of the day, they got to want to help themselves. If there was one thing that 
I wish that we were taught as a kid or teenagers or young adult, whatever, is how to grieve. And the misconception with grief is, you know, always it's just loss. Like it's just like a physical loss. And people don't realize that grieving looks like losing a friendship or cutting ties with a family member uh, or losing Mm -hmm. out on a relationship. And grief is probably the hardest emotion I've ever had to deal with and I I deal with it every single day you know um and like you said just grieving the thought of the person being out of your life and not not talking with that person every day and you care about them and it's tough it's so tough and I hate it so much Mm -hmm. yeah it really is it's just Um, just part of the process (laughs) right so before uh, before any of the fitness competitions that you take part in, what what kind of preparations do you go through before uh, before those competitions? So when you say preparations, like what do you mean? So I guess you know, do you have like a like a routine? Like do you like meditate before, or like you know, is there like for like like the week before or the competition or something? Like is there like preparations that you go through like do you change your workout at all like how how does how does that look like right before a competition like do you give your body rest or oh okay yeah um so because I've done CrossFit um I I haven't really dabbled in bodybuilding I do powerlifting now um so you have your peaking point which is where you'll want to take like your opening numbers and then you're going to deload. So like the week of, I'm basically just doing light stuff. If I want to go in and just use a sled on, on the turf and just walk with the sled. Um, otherwise, we don't do any kind of lifting prior to a big meet. Um, that week is solely for just moving your body, but resting it. Um, so, but like before I like go on and do my lifts, I... Them, that morning, I give myself a few hours to, you know, I get up, I decompress a little, get my thoughts together. Um, I basically, my heart and my mind got to be right before anything else. And um, if, if I'm feeling it, I'm always feeling it though. Like <laughs> if you ask me to choose between my fitness or modeling, like I get that they can, they can go hand in hand, but fitness is where it's at for me. Like it's just, it's, it's like my daily medication, if you will. So it's just, I, I always know like, okay, you got this, just go out there and crush it. You got this, you can do this. I just give myself that pep talk, you know, behind the scenes before I go out. Yeah. And you know, that positive self-talk goes such a long way, you know, in, in any aspect of life. And I, uh, I'm curious what, I don't remember off the top of my head, what was your most recent accomplishment on the, on the last competition you did? I think, was it like, what was your last lift? Oh, my numbers on my list, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so squat, bench, and deadlift. You don't necessarily have to do all three lifts. If you just want a deadlift, you can do that. The same thing with the other two lifts, but I, I did all three. Um, my squat, I did 242 pounds, and that was a 38-pound um, record for just within a three-, four-month period because I did a meet in December. And right. I did 204 on my squat. So that was a big accomplishment. And 
Uh, my bench was 143 and my squat or my deadlift was 304. And that was the best accomplishment. Like yeah. 304, like, like the main goal I've had forever, like for over a year and a half now. So, and the fact that it moved the way that it did, I'm super hyped about that. So I have another one coming in July. So we're just going to keep climbing. Oh yeah. What's your, uh, what's your goal for the, for the next lift or do you have like a certain number or is it just kind of a see where you're at kind of thing? So the, I'm only really like a stiffler when it comes to my squat and my deadlift, my bench. I honestly don't give a shit. Like <laughs> I'm not really, everyone has their favorite lifts and the bench just isn't my favorite lift. Um, I think if I, in the future, maybe I would choose to leave that out of the competition, but um I think this time I would love to, to go for like a 350 deadlift. That would be cool. Did your daughter ever attend uh, attend those meets? So she's seen me compete in my CrossFit one. Right. These last two powerlifting ones, she was not able to be there because, see, and this is this is the sad part is like she had an event the same day. It was for her band with school. So my dad was able to go with her to that, but no, she hasn't been able to see me do any powerlifting ones yet. So hopefully the one in July, she can. Yeah. Um, and it's always on weekends too, right? Yep. It's always on a weekend. Um, but she, she always sees me lift. Like she's always in the gym with me. She's been in the gym with me since she was three. I mean, she's going to be 12 wow. this year. So it's what she knows. She's grown up around it her whole life. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so to follow up on that question, uh, what's your favorite part about, uh, competing? Is it the networking? Is it the different milestones that you reach on lifting or what's, what's your favorite part? It's definitely, um, you know, reaching a PR, you know, that's the whole point of these meets. You go out there and people scream and, you know, get it all. It's just, <laughs> I live for that. It's such a cool environment. Like lift the shit, pick it up, right. do it. Like, hell yeah. Like it's just a good support system. And it's like, that's my favorite part is just the hype of it. The adrenaline rush, um, the like hitting PRs with your favorite people, doing what you love to do. Just it's an overall good feeling and it's a morale boost for everybody. Cause it's just yeah. so uplifting and everyone's, you know, giving you kudos and you know, it's just, even when you fail a lift, because it happens a lot. Um, this last one, we actually bombed. A lot of us bombed on our bench, but everyone's still like, good lift, good lift. Like, it's just the kind of environment you would like to be around. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's awesome to see that kind of support because I feel like maybe 10, 15 years ago, we weren't in that same place. Like, oh, my God, you didn't reach that uh, that accomplishment. You're a failure. You're this, you're that. Um you know, and again, it kind of goes with that body positivity stuff that that's been making waves the last couple of years. And it's it's great to see uh, people support each other as strongly as they do, especially in your line of uh, what you're passionate for. Um, I wish there was a, a lot more of this, especially in schools. I feel like I feel like like high schools are rough for kids like, you know, um, I remember one time I went to a high school football game and uh, the losing team was walking off the field and some parent threw a beer bottle at this kid's helmet and was just pissed that they lost. 
And I, I, I mean, I hope that kid wasn't like mentally scarred after that whole thing happened, but you know, I wish there was more of, of this support, you know, maybe I'm just not seeing it as much, but it's definitely cool to see that you get as much support as you do. Cause I do obviously follow you on Instagram and all the stuff that you post. And it's really cool to see the community of people that, you know, uh, welcome you with open arms. Yeah. I, um, I try not to let like social media get to me. I, I try not to let it become like a job. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be an influencer. Um, I personally think social media is exhausting, <laughs> but, right. um, that's that's one thing you know you just got to learn when to take breaks from that as well so that's kind of what I've been doing lately like I still have my little moments but um I just that's just one thing like the community yeah it's great but you know the people in real life that's that's what matters to me um but it's there's also a catch there too because sometimes your biggest supporters are strangers so and I have a lot of strangers that support me so it is at the end of the day, regardless, it's still great to see that. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's so true, because I feel most of the people that you're close with or, you know, very well don't support you or just don't give you as much love as you would like them to. I I, I can't even begin to tell you, like, uh, before I did this, this mental health podcast, you know, I, I was really passionate about the wrestling community. And did a wrestling podcast and you know I had a whole big setup I had a desk I had my titles sitting in the back of it just the whole get up and mm-hmm. I remember it getting to a point where none of my friends were sharing the podcast you know or just like even supporting it and obviously this is well before I was in therapy so I was always in my head I'm like man maybe I do suck at what I'm doing maybe my passion isn't worth a damn and it took uh, a recording session while my mom was fighting with her at the time, fiance, in the middle of me recording. So I listened back to it. I cringe every time I, I listen to it because you can hear them clear as day yell while I'm sitting there talking about wrestling. And, you know, there, there was a lot of people that I networked with that I still talk to about uh, wrestling and stuff. But, yeah, it, it's, it's really hard social media is is an absolute plague um i think there's a lot of positive seen in social media but i also like you said like you said only the people in real life that actually support you that actually go to bat for you matter because at the end of the day if social media shuts down tomorrow what do we have you know what i mean and i I say that all the time yeah and i i feel there's so many people on social media that just live behind a persona and just have no concept of reality. You know, like uh, you see some of these kids that'll go on an MMA post and just, you know, run down this fighter and they're like, oh my God, this guy sucks, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, it's some, some 16, 17 year old kid on a keyboard who, you know, just isn't applying himself and just shitting on everybody else because of that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to be your biggest fan because there's always going to be people out there that try and drag you. Nice. And even even though you might have a great support system, you still have to be your best support system because there are going to be times where no one claps for you. And that's what I always tell myself. Like, 
and you hear and read that all over the internet. So it's not like I'm saying something new, but it's like, you be your biggest fan. Because if you go based off of how other people feel about you, you will never reach your full potential. So I just constantly tell myself, I need to be better than I was yesterday. I'm going to keep doing this because if I don't, it doesn't sit right with me. So even though I may be doing something on social, if I'm not doing the work outside of that, I'm failing myself. Right. And I, and I feel a lot of people don't even want to try and chase their true potential because, you know, they're caught up in social media, they're caught up in uh, whatever misery they're living through. And, you know, like you said, if you don't clap for others, uh, you know, um, it's never going to be your turn. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I always try to support everybody I can um, because I, I know what it was like to not have that support in return. So you know, anytime that I, I see you post or I see, uh, you know, uh, the therapist that I interviewed a couple of sessions ago, uh, I always, always try to share everything people post because that's, you know, that's the positive side of social media. You know, I feel there's so much information. There's so much um, that needs to be said that some people will be like, holy shit, I really needed to hear that. Like, um, mm-hmm. I remember when I first started making the mental health, when I first made the mental health group, um, I didn't have a goal in mind. You know, it was just kind of a, I wanted to create a space for other people to not feel the way that they're feeling. And it, it started out with me just basically, uh, I guess word vomiting is, is the right word because that's what it was at the time. It was, it was pre-therapy, Chris. So it was, yeah. um, I spent three hours on the very first post that I put in there. I wanted to make sure I had all the details and everything. And as soon as I posted it, it got a lot of reaction. It, it was just like, wow, I, I really need to read this because I thought I was the only one who was dealing with a narcissistic mother. And, you know, obviously it grew to what it grew to now. And it's, you, you always, you always got to support people that you care about, you know, and, there's nothing wrong with supporting complete strangers either you know there's so many people that just need to hear uh that somebody's thinking about them that just needs to hear that uh you're you're being seen and that's one of the things i struggled with was not being seen i'm i felt invisible forever and i never felt like i mattered and while what i'm doing now is great and i'm super grateful for the opportunities i'm being given um there's a lot of struggling there too because they're like you said strangers are your biggest supporters and that can it's it's so true yeah it can kind of mess with you too though because then it's like well because you have these people in your life and then you have the strangers and then some some people in your life that don't support you and it's kind of like well you know I have all of these people supporting me and it can kind of hurt your feelings so it's just it's everything. I feel like everything has a catch 22 to it. You just, you have to mentally talk yourself out of all of these things because right. you, you'll fall into a hole if you let it. Yeah. And, and I feel the most important part is balance, you know, balance and moderation. If you, if you can balance out um, the chirping behind social media and balance out the support that you get in real life from people and be able to differentiate like, Hey, 
you know, while I don't have people physically here, I have people that are on social media that are supporting me in the journey that I'm doing. So I, I feel balance is one of the most important things anybody could do with whatever they're doing, whatever they're passionate about, whatever line of work they're part of. Yep, healthy balance. So um, I feel this is something I don't ask too often in my my recording sessions just because we we usually have a specific topic that we're always talking about, but um, just to kind of kind of dig a little more into, I guess, what you do for yourself mentally. What kind of coping tools do you use to get through your day-to-day -day struggles and do you practice a lot of self-care? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I work from home. I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm always home. I'm not at the gym or not doing a shoot. I'm always at home. Um, I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> I talk <laughs> out loud to myself a lot. Um, you know, if I'm about anything, if, especially if I'm feeling down or if something's like bothering me, I'll kind of talk out loud and say, okay, well, why? Well, and kind of just pick it apart. Um, I feel like every, every day is self-care you know if I don't the, the gym is my self-care that's like if I don't make it there if I don't get there that's like the, the key thing that will throw me off altogether um like I said it's kind of like my daily medication so that's my self-care um I like to just I love the beach that's another thing just to kind of be still and just right. feel the sun on my face I go outside at least like six times a day because I don't get any natural lighting in the house I live there's it's very small but I don't get a lot of light so I'll just go outside with my dog um just sit in the sun and just feel it on my face it's just it might sound weird but it's it really is rejuvenating like it just it makes me feel more awake it makes me feel a little bit more refreshed like I feel like getting outside outside is very underrated like agreed people need to get outside more <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I feel the pandemic was something that uh, it, it was it was rough for a lot of people because we were inside. You know, we weren't allowed to to go anywhere. We weren't allowed to do anything for for like what like a year before Florida started quote unquote opening back up. Um, mm -hmm. The beaches and stuff were closed, and uh, man, I I I, I could tell you. <laughs> during the pandemic for me was brutal because, you know, when I lost Amy at the very beginning of the pandemic and uh, I think she passed away right before I started therapy. Yeah, I think so. Like a couple months before I started therapy. Um, and then Santi passed away two years ago and that pandemic just, you know, you're in that mentality. It's like, well, shit, I'm just going to sit home because I work from home and just sit there and, and uh, muster in my thoughts and just sit there and stir. It's just like, well, shit, what am I doing with my life? And uh, the cost of everything is going up. So I'm just going to sit at home and not spend money. Um, I agree. Going outside is super underrated. Um, for me, one of my biggest coping tools, and I think it's probably my number one, is going to see sunsets. And I, I know... <laughs> For, for the guys that, that listen in on this podcast, might roll their eyes and just think, oh, well, you know, that's not normal for a guy to say whatever. And <laughs> there's that stigma there again. Well, then they're still probably be single forever. And that's, that's a <laughs> them problem. There's nothing right. wrong with it. So, 
Um, and I just feel every time that I'm out on the dock or every time I go to a, a beach and watch the sun go down, like you said, you get that sun in your face, you just feel that breeze. And there's something about an ocean breeze that just feels so welcoming um when you're watching the sun go down you know like uh when it's the hottest day in the summer and you know while florida humidity sucks but going out on the beach and watching the sun go down for some reason it's just so comforting for me to just watch the sun go down i mean i've the pictures i've gotten from sunsets are, are absolutely ridiculously incredible um and i'm uh, i've seen a lot of them on your story yeah um and I just, I live for that because not only do I enjoy seeing the sunsets, but, you know, the sunset was my one and only thing that I have left of, of Amy. You know, her and I shared the sunsets with each other while she was sick. And one of the last conversations her and I had was about uh, going out on, a, on her brother's boat and we were going to watch a, a sun go down. Um, and then she passed away a week later. So... That's, for me, I feel coping tools is something that, you know, you develop over time. I don't think you can be taught coping tools. I think it's just something that while you're in survival mode for so long, you have specific things that you cling to, like movies and music for me were, were something for 90% of my life. And then, you know, sunsets started just kind of blending themselves in there. Um, as for the self-care part, um, I feel more people should practice self-care. Um, and it doesn't always look, uh, doesn't always look the same, but you know, um, I feel everybody could benefit from, from self-care, from putting themselves, for putting themselves first and just taking care of themselves, you know, whether it's mentally or physically. Yeah. I mean, it's really just like, what do you enjoy doing? What do you, what makes you feel good? Like do right. more of that. That's really all of what that is. It's just find something that you enjoy because I feel like we all have that and you just have to really take that and own it. And right. it, it could be anything you could like to draw, you color, um, write, play, like whatever it looks like to you, just do it. Like, cause I feel like society paints this picture of what things should be and so we're like oh well if I don't have that if I if I don't take if I don't do it this way then then that's that's not having a hobby that's because what what am I going to get from it so they think just because they're not going to get something from it not realizing they'll gain a lot from it from a mental standpoint you know they'll feel more calm but the way that society takes it and spins it it's I think that's why we all struggle so much because we're all worried about how someone else is doing it or saying it, or it's not, that's not cor- done correctly or whatever. It's just learning to be your own person without being influenced by society. It's a, it's a hard thing to navigate. Absolutely. Um, let me, let me ask you something. So uh, I know you said that sometimes you talk things out to yourself and just try to figure out what you're going through and, you know, solutions and everything. Um do you ever journal? Like, have you ever like journaled or anything? So I used to journal and I always tell myself I should get back to it. I have no excuse as to why I don't because (laughs) I have plenty of time in my day where I can dedicate 20 minutes to sit down and write something. Um, I just don't. Right. 
but I feel like whether you talk it out loud or whether you say it out loud or if you write it down, um, I think writing it down is good because you always can go back to it. When you say it out loud, you can't really go back to it, but you can reflect on how you were feeling that day. But I do think it's also healthy to write. So I always tell myself I'm going to, so I'll take this as a sign. And, you know, there's something about journaling that just, I don't know, it it hits a lot differently than a lot of the other coping tools that I've done over the years. Like uh, the one uh, exercise, I don't know if you heard me talk about it on previous podcasts that my therapist gave me, Um, basically called the compassionate observer. Basically what it is, is um, you talk in two perspectives. You talk from the negative emotion that, um, that you're feeling and you, know, you write your thoughts in that voice and then you reply uh, to the, the compassionate observer trying to understand why you're feeling this way and try and talk, talk out those negative feelings. And for me, I, I used to journal when I was like 14, 15 years old when I was going through like some of the worst times in my life and I'm grateful I've never found those journals because they were bad. Um, but, you know, when I was given this exercise by Jess, uh, I didn't understand the assignment uh, when she first gave it to me. It's just kind of like, okay, am I, am I schizo? Am I crazy for writing this stuff? And when I wrote my first session, I think it was about my mom, if I'm not mistaken. And I read it to my therapist, uh, my therapist. And she was blown away at the first one because I, I try to end every single journal entry with, uh, you know, I love you. I feel that is something that I needed to do with every journal entry that I put in there because I feel society as a whole is missing self-love. I feel so many people want the gratification of being loved and being wanted, but they don't love the person that they look at in the mirror every single day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there was a, a specific topic in the mental health community you wish had more focus on, uh, what would that be and how would you address it? This one got me a little bit because I feel like there's, there's so many, but, um, for me, what it really came down to is, um, abuse manipulation. Um, I feel like a lot of people, there's so much shame around that topic that, you know, it goes back to being taken seriously and being heard and understood and nobody wants to talk about it. Right. And I just feel like the more people are willing to share their story, all it takes is one person and then another person and then another. Um, but I'm not really sure how I would address it because it's, like I said, it's such a touchy subject and it's really hard to bring people out of that shell to talk about because Things run deep in a lot of people, you know, they have a hard time bringing that up. So I think the only way to start is maybe by sharing my story um, and letting that travel, see where it goes. I just, you know, I've, I've shared my, my story, you know, with you and like certain people, but I haven't put it out there. I just feel like I always kind of go with the flow of things. I go by how I feel and I just feel like it's not my time yet to really say it openly to, to right. the world, you know? 
you know, I so the, definitely like more. Um, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just saying. Um, I would definitely like to see abuse being talked about more. Uh, you know that a lot of people don't realize how deep that travels and how far back it really does go. Yeah, and you know, I, the the most uh, I don't want to say fascinating. I think that's the wrong word. Um, I think the most interesting uh, part when it comes to that conversation of abuse is when you see celebrities and uh, you know when they have their platform and they talk about it and like you said the the shame that uh, that they're met with from the community that they share it with and uh, it, it's it's super hard to share um, to share those experiences with people because it's just like uh, you know great example the Rihanna Chris Brown thing how many years have gone by and people are still, you know, they don't believe Rihanna or they, they trash Rihanna for it and say, oh, well, what did she do to deserve it? And I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've heard that sentence. And, you know, uh, it, goes, it goes with both genders, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, guys don't talk about it either. And it absolutely happens to them too. But just the conversation of abuse alone is super hard to talk about because, you know, not only are you met with, uh, you know, that internal shame, you're met with, uh, you know, questions that you don't feel comfortable answering. It's like, well, hey, I'm just trying to share my story um, to, in hopes to help people. And, you know, it's, it, it takes a special person to be willing, <clears throat> or not special, it takes a strong person to be willing to share their abuse story because, it's it's so hard because you you dig up memories you don't want to remember and you don't want to relive that moment of abuse <clears throat> and i remember when i first started um digging into uh therapy and just talking about <clears throat> my experiences with my parents i never labeled it as abuse i never knew it was considered abuse with all the things they were doing to me and fast forward to now, and I could say I was, I was uh, mentally abused, I was physically abused, and you know, I just, I try my best to talk about it and not make anybody uncomfortable. And I just feel sometimes you need to have those uncomfortable conversations with people be like, hey, like, I want to help you, you know, you don't have to share every little piece, but you know, we want to help you digest this whole thing you want to help you heal and I feel so many people are so closed off to the idea of healing because once they're finally out of that abusive cycle it it seems impossible to heal because you're constantly going back into the if I share kind of thing uh xyz might happen and might follow after yeah a lot of people um it's just hard for some, like you said, a lot of people aren't willing to open up and, and share that. They don't want to. And everyone has their own way of coping. And that just goes back to self-work. You know, you you have to eventually at some point draw a line and say, okay, I want to help you and I'll be here when you're ready. Um, but ultimately, it, it's it's got to come down to they got to want to help themselves too. And it, they they have to not everyone's going to be open to it you know people have their own beliefs and things 
a lot of people don't believe in therapy. A lot of people don't believe in talking about things at all. It just kind of boils down to that person and if they really want to help themselves or not. I, I feel the, the toughest, toughest thing I've seen uh, when it comes to abuse is when they have a parent or a grandparent that was abused. And if they talk about it, their grandparents are like, oh, we don't talk about that kind of thing. Like it's like a taboo subject. Um, and it's crazy to me that where we're at in society and we're talking about mental health, we're talking about that stuff. Like you said, there's still a massive amount of people that don't talk about abuse. Like, yeah, sure. There's people that share their story, but I, I definitely don't feel like um, it's being talked about enough. And I don't know where, where one would start either other than, you know, I mean, the mental health group, I, I guess, is where is where I come in and have a private, uh, you know, safe space for somebody to share. I mean, thankfully, Facebook added that feature where you can anonymously share about uh, something that you went through and, uh, you know, nobody other than the people that own the page knows who... Uh, who talked about whatever because you might have like mutuals with each other you might have uh friends that know this person that you're talking about and be like oh hey uh i heard chris was talking about you and saying all this stuff about you and uh it's it's, it's such a it's a rabbit hole and it's so hard mm -hmm. so hard to talk about you know yeah, um in a perfect world <laughs> right so I kind of I kind of ask um, what you what you think about therapy. What do you think about medication for for one's mental health? Because I know that's another conversation that I feel isn't brought up enough. Like, do you think medication's good for people? Do you think it's just kind of a a lazy way of helping somebody deal with their mental health? Like, what are, what are your views on medication? Um, I think this is touchy too because. Um, to each their own, but I personally don't believe in medication. I don't take anything. Um, it it depends on the person, though. I mean, because I'm not in nobody else's shoes but my own. Um, you know, as you know, the deeper we get into with um, mental illness like schizophrenia and things like that, I yeah. I can't really say there shouldn't be a handle on that, but. I do think like most medications is just a way to make us sicker. It's just another way to kill people off. Because mm -hmm. um, I've seen what it does to people. I've seen what it does to my mother. Um, I've seen what it does to some of my friends. It's just like, if you take it for a very long time and then, oh my God, like God forbid you got to go without it for a whole week. It's like, I've seen what it does to people. It's like a deep, dark downward spiral. Yeah. I, 100%. Um, I just think it depends on the situation. Yeah, it depends on the situation and the person. Uh, like I said, for me, with for my depression and anxiety, I don't. I feel like I'm very self-aware, and I can I can kind of cope and deal with it myself. I don't I don't feel like I need anything. Right. For me, I, I kind of have that same perspective. You know, obviously, there's levels to mental illness and like schizophrenia, of course, I feel medication may be necessary, but I don't think that, um, you know, anybody dealing with mental health, uh, you know, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, the first 
session with <clears throat> with a therapist should not be uh, would you want to be taking medication? It, it should absolutely not start out like that. And I'm grateful I didn't give up on trying to seek out therapy because that was one of my first experiences coming back to Florida was a very first session with a therapist saying, uh, oh, well, would you take uh, medication for uh, for your depression? And I said, no, I don't feel that I need uh, medication. I just need somebody to talk to. Her response, <laughs> and this will never leave my brain for as long as I live, I don't think. Um, her response was, well, if you had high blood pressure, would you take medication for it? I'm like, well, of course, it's for your health. And she gave me a look. She's like, well, um, this is for your mental health. And she just kind of gave me that look. And I just kind of like, I doubted myself because of when she said that. And I'm like, I don't feel like I was that extreme. Uh, you know, I was dealing with uh, a, mo a mother who mentally abused me for 20 something years. And I, you know, oh, I don't, I don't think I need to take medication for that. Um, my second session with her, uh, she didn't write anything down both sessions. Um, the second session, I had my first anxiety attack. I've never had an anxiety attack in my life. And things were just uh, a complete shit show for me. Um, she stopped me mid-sentence when I was venting. And she's like, oh, well, that's enough. Uh, that's uh, all the time we have for today. And uh, she gave me a number um, to call, I guess, to uh, book a, another therapy session or whatever. And I messaged her. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I really need another session this Friday. And she's like, oh, well, I'm booked up. Um, I'm booked up. Uh, try, try another therapist. And that was the end of that. Um, probably one of the worst experiences I've had with therapy. And I think that's why I'm like super against medication because I, uh, like you said, I, I see what it does to people. You know, my mom took Xanax uh, forever. Um, and you could just tell all the medications and everything that she's taking has deteriorated her health. And you could just see it in her face now where uh, she's not as self-aware as she was. And just, uh, it, it's, it's crazy to me that there's so many doctors that just shove pills down your throat. That's a big pharma. It's all a money scheme. That's I just, you know, everyone's going to have their own beliefs on it, but that's just my belief on it. I just think it's just another way to make people sicker. Um, yeah, I'm just not a fan personally. Yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. Um, it, it's it's definitely definitely a a subject that I feel many people like you and I agree on this, but there's also that that group of people that are constantly at doctors and the doctors will be like, oh, well, if you take this pill, it's going to cancel out this, but then it's going to create 17 other problems that they don't tell you about, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's never ending. So um, the last question I had for you, um, what has uh, consistent exercise and just like, you know, the lifting and uh, your fitness journey, what has that done for your mental health? You know, cause obviously exercise is very beneficial to your mental health like versus where you started to where you're now what has it done for you and like I've said that's that's my medication and <laughs> right. that goes back to the last question like do I believe in meds like this this is it that's if I don't work out I'm all thrown off I feel very off kilter 
Um, my mood generally is more down than usual. Um, it's done a lot. It's because you also meet people, you know, it helps you connect with other people that are similar to you or that, you know, are also going through things or whatever their reason is for being in the gym. But it's just, it's good to build that morale within yourself and to show yourself that if you can show up every day and do this, there's so many other things that you can show up to every day and, and accomplish. Um, I just, more people definitely need to exercise. I'm not one of those people that like, I'm going to shove it down your throat. If you want to right. do it, you want to do it. If you don't, you don't, but it, you will not regret it. If you do it, it will be the most holistic thing you could ever do for yourself. Right. You know, for, for me, teaching uh, me how to love myself better. Like if, if you want to feel good, move yourself. If it's just something you have to do for you. Right. You know, uh, for me, uh, growing up, you know, being a bigger guy, pretty much my, my whole life, you know, trying to uh, trying to change up my diet and try to stay consistent. You know, the, the hardest thing for me was consistency. Was there anything um, that I guess helped motivate you to stay consistent, like other than it now being a regular routine for you? Was you know, was there anything that you told yourself that uh, that kept you consistently going, that made you just want to stick with it? Um, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of tricky because I've always been into the gym. Um, I know it's just everybody's different, um, but I've, I've always been into it. So I'm not really sure what, what it is. Um, I'm not really sure if like when my daughter had passed away, um, I got back into the gym and it's just, I just wanted to work on myself for myself and just find something to look forward to. Um, I don't know. I think that's what keeps me going. I just, other people would just kind of lay down and give up. People would handle it in their own way. But for me, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I get up every day and I do it. <laughs> Right. I, I think uh, I really I think, can't explain it. Right. I, I think this self-love comment, uh, I think, was probably the most important part of this was, you know, uh, our discussion earlier was just loving yourself. And I think uh, that's one of the most important parts is taking care of yourself, not only mentally, but of course, physically. Um, I feel like the physicality part, a lot of people like myself struggle with um, because of, you know, uh, not seeing results as fast as you want to, or just, uh, I guess. It gets very discouraging. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people lose courage when they don't see, you know, cause a lot of people, they lack the patience to, mm -hmm. to go through with it. And it's, it's something that you have to, you have to do for a while. You know, people start to notice your results within four to six weeks. So it's just something, it's a commitment you got to make to yourself. Maybe, start taking pictures of yourself and then say, okay, can't wait to see what I look like in two months from now. Like right. some, just make up your own little thing to get you going. Yeah. And I, I definitely, uh, definitely something that I've been trying to, um, to work on myself because uh, the biggest struggle I've had pretty much my whole life is self-love. And that, that comes from uh, being bullied by parents and being bullied by, 
people around me that I once considered friends, you know, and um, recently, uh, I think I started going to the gym again about a month ago, maybe two months ago. Um, and the first session I had with my therapist, when I started going, she's like, I try not to focus on people's physical, physical appearance, because, you know, obviously, that's not what a therapist is there for. They're there to, to help you mentally and to help you, you know, love yourself and talk you through all the stuff you're struggling with. And she's like, but you can definitely start to see a difference in your face. You know, you can tell that uh, you don't look the same as you did in our last session. And I feel in, in a society where social media is very strong and, um, you know, support, it's, it's there. I feel, I wish society just had more encouraging people in it, I guess. And I know that's unrealistic because everybody is their own person, but I, I just always feel like there's not enough people in this world that give a shit about each other. Oh, definitely. I think that's, I mean, that's why we, that's why I don't really like to talk about religion and politics, stuff like that, because it, all this, if you look at it from bigger, from the bigger picture, it's, it's a way to just divide everybody. That's why people are too concerned about what somebody else is doing because they need a way to divide people. They need a way right. to continue to have the hate in the world. Because imagine what we could do if we really all were nice to each other and were motivating and uplifting. And, it, you know, we all stood together. It sounds really cheesy, I'm sure, but it's a real thing. It's right. a true statement. We could do so much together versus if we allow these people to keep dividing us, I mean, you're going to have those people on there, but you're brave enough to put the work in. You're the one out here doing the work, sharing your journey with it. And, you know, and then like you've said, you said earlier, there's people hiding behind screens. And that says a lot about who they are. They're, you think they're waking up every day doing any self-work? Do you think they love themselves? No, but you know, you get up every day and put the work in to love you. And that's all that matters. Absolutely. Um, so before um, the end of every podcast, I'd like to uh, I'd like to read a quote that I find on whatever subject that I have to be talking about that session. Um, before I read mine, did you have any uh, quotes that you live by that you wanted to share with our listeners? Um, it's pretty simple, but it's it's whatever makes you happy, do that. And it's, it's straight to the point, too. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> um, so uh, I found a quote by a Miss Andrea Bolt, and I thought that it was very good considering the topic that you and I are talking about. Um, so it, it reads, turn your demons into art, your shadow into a friend, your fear into fuel, your failures into teachers, your weaknesses into reasons to keep fighting. Uh, don't waste your pain. Recycle your heart. I thought, Aww. yeah. Um, I feel, I felt the last part probably harder than the rest of it because I wear my heart on my sleeve and it's really easy to hurt my feelings, I guess. Um, and, I, and I think that's just because mm -hmm. of yeah, I just, I really feel that growing up the way that I did with the kind of parents that I 
I had and not having a lot of friends. Um, it, it gave me a perspective of the world of, you know, I need to be who I didn't have growing up, you know, and fortunately, I, I have a big heart for, for everybody that I talk to, you know, I, I talk to everybody like they're my best friend, you know, uh, I, I think the world of, of all my friends, and I try to support uh, everybody doing whatever they're doing. And I love that. I'm the same. <laughs> um, and, and I just feel if you don't put your heart into every friendship, then the friendship's not worth having, you know, and sometimes you need to take your heart out of conversations that you have with the people you care about, because sometimes they need to hear the hard truth and they need to be held accountable. And um, sometimes the truth is really hard for a lot of people to hear. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, um, there's actually this, um, I follow this um, lady, her name is Ruby Core. And she does poetry. And there's actually this one I wanted to read real quick if we have a moment. I don't know yeah. if we're pressured for time. Yeah. But because um, you said, you know, you wear your heart on your sleeve and I do too. So it's, um, I don't know what living a balanced life feels like. When I am sad, I don't cry, I pour. When I am happy, I don't smile, I glow. When I am angry, I don't yell, I burn. The good thing about feeling in extremes is when I love, I give them wings, but perhaps that isn't such a good thing because they always tend to leave and you should see me when my heart is broken. I don't grieve, I shatter. And I don't know why that resonated with me so much. It's just like, like you said, we have such big hearts and we have so much love to give to everybody. And, and when we feel rejected by that, it, it gets really discouraging. I just, I just think more people need to be like us. More people need to have bigger hearts. And like I said, understanding is the key. If we could all just understand where someone else is coming from, I feel like so much would change. I, I just, uh, I want to say that that, uh, that poem was incredible. Um, that last yeah. line really, really got me. Um, soon as you read it my jaw went on the ground I'm like holy hell um you gotta send me that one after yeah. uh, after we get done I will definitely um yeah I I wish we had a society of understanding uh you know we're we're getting there we're getting there very slowly but uh, I definitely wish there was more people that's our purpose we're the light workers we just gotta exactly. stay on task right stay on stay on point and what's meant for us will be there and that's i think this is just a part of the process is us meeting each other networking linking together just to add to it just to keep it going it's yeah, coming most definitely um so before i end uh today's podcast uh i have two really big announcements um so the first one being the mental health group has finally hit 1700 members um Yay. pretty uh pretty proud of that accomplishment um and it grows every single day i meet a lot of really incredible people um the second announcement i had so on may 5th of this year i am going to be on a nami platform um to talk about men's mental health um very excited for that it's a very big opportunity for myself and i will be talking about uh men's suicide um 
So stay tuned for that project. Uh, I'm very excited to share that with everybody. Um, Ashley, thank you again so much for coming on this podcast with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, and for all my listeners, thank you again for your continuous support. Um, almost at a thousand total plays on the podcast. So keep them coming, share with your friends, share with uh, anybody that you feel needs um, to hear these podcasts, any of the subjects. Um, thank you again for my past guests for being on here. And thank you always to all the warriors that show support every single week. Um, and as always, guys, be gentle with yourselves. And until next time, be well.